You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Alexa, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider Credential, member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NOLA Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on a Tuesday, day after the Pelicans lose 129-126, a bit of a heartbreaker to the Los Angeles Clippers, a team they played tough in this one. This is a really interesting game. We might do two segments on this one. We might do one. I'm not sure yet. We're just going to kind of get in the moment and see how it goes. But we do want to break this one down. Some very bad defense from the Pelicans, but they played the best team in the Western Conference very competitively. Good sign or not so good sign? That's kind of what we want to take a look at today. We're also going to kind of take a look at the defense in general at a very high level. We'll touch more on that probably tomorrow as I can dive into some of the numbers, watch a little bit more film to kind of give you guys a better idea of what's going on there. Oh, and also some big news coming out of Chicago. They have fired their coach, Fred Hoiberg, name you might remember from a couple of years ago when the Pelicans were going through their coaching search. We're going to touch on that as well. So a lot to cover in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So a 129-126 loss for the Pelicans in a game that they were down by as many as 18. So another kind of slow-ish start for this team that then they've got to use all of that energy to mount a furious comeback, something they did do in the third quarter to the tune of 32 to 24 in that frame and then they ultimately just fall short now they fell short due to a number of reasons the first one probably being they had no Julius Randle who fouled out with four minutes remaining and they had no Mirtich on the night just in general who was a late scratch due to illness but Julius Randle fouling out with four minutes to go he played 39 minutes on the night and he put up a career high when it came to points 37 in this game in the start in place of Nikola Mirotic. That's great. He was awesome, just kind of bullying his way inside on the night. 37 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. By the way, 0 turnovers from him. He was also 3 of 4 from deep and 4 of 7 from the line. 15 of 24 on the night. Dude went left constantly and just scored kind of on like a sweeping run move like that routinely. And he was basically just... Great. There's no other way of putting it. But a couple of bad fouls from him in the second and third quarters really led to him fouling out, going for a rebound that he probably just didn't need to go after on a missed free throw, I believe, um, from the Pelicans. And it was just been like, or maybe it was the Clippers, I can't remember. It was just, okay, don't worry about that. Don't go for it. He did. He got the foul. It probably wasn't the smartest move there. But, I mean, he did his business there. 37 points on the ninth. You can't ask for much more than that. In the second half, Drew Holiday was outstanding after being pretty quiet in the first. Maybe he realized he needed to step up in this one. He did to the tune of 32 points on the night, 14 assists, just one turnover, four steals, four rebounds. He was four of eight from behind the three-point line, and he shot 12 of 23 on the night. He was outstanding. Defensively, he was good, not his usual self. Or a couple of times, guys kind of blew by him. He wasn't able to stay on their hip on the defensive side of the ball, and then got to the rim or scored that way, which was, by the way, a theme on the night for the Pelicans. So I don't think it's anything 
you know, to to nitpick him over too much there, but not his best defensive performance, and that's okay. But still, you kind of would have liked to have seen it, and some defense from the team here would have been great. He started up matched against Tobias Harris, you know, who's a forward who's got some size on him, but he's one of the best scorers in the league right now as the Western Conference Player of the Month. So smart move there. You saw him then get switched on to Lou Williams, who came off the bench for the Clippers. Lou was outstanding too. He was he scored 20 points on the night, seven of 12 from the field, along with six assists. By the way, Tobias Harris, 27 points in this one, six rebounds. He was good as well. And so it was a difficult game, and maybe it's because he was using all that energy on the offensive end. It's just tough to kind of do both at like an insanely high level, like maybe the Pelicans need right now, offense and defense. Each one more coming back from that injury. He scored six points in the night, was largely a non-factor. Tim Frazier back in the starting lineup, of course, uh, for a couple of games now, seven points, four assists. Anthony Davis in almost 39 minutes of play, 23 points, 13 rebounds, 10 of 18 from the field, 0 for 4 from 3, just four trips to the free throw line. He got in some foul, not foul trouble early. He was frustrated with a bunch of no calls early on in the game in the first half. He had an offensive foul about 30 seconds or so, 45 seconds or so before halftime, where he dropped his shoulder into a guy. They called it an offensive foul. He seemed really upset about that, held on to the basketball, almost got a delay of game call against him because he refused to give it kind of back to the refs. And then just kind of either Gentry pulled him out of the game or he pulled himself out of the game. And I don't know exactly what happened there, but he just went and sat on the bench with 30 seconds left. He had three fouls. Maybe you don't need to keep him in at that point. But it was kind of surprising. He went, I think, a good stretch. I don't think he scored at all, and I'm going to pull it up as we speak because now I remember I needed to look that up. don't believe he scored in the second quarter whatsoever. Uh, He was 0 for 2. And it took until about uh, 10 minutes, 7 minutes, something like that, in the third quarter for him to score again and to kind of get going. And that's after he came out of the game or out of the gate really, really aggressive. So that's kind of important. But he went away from this team for a little bit where he just wasn't impactful. And there's times where he just looks upset, like he doesn't want to be there or here at all. And I think that's got to be a bit of a concern for Pelicans fans going forward. On the night, though, when you look at the box score, this team probably should have won. They had just seven turnovers. Now, the Clippers made him pay for those turnovers to the tune of 14 points. They had 17 second-chance points, 19 fast-break points, and they still fell short 126 to 129. So what happened there? And that's what we're going to talk about. We'll keep going on this. It can tie into the larger theme of the defense here in the next segment. But before we do that, this episode is sponsored by Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery-heated clothing heat on demand at the touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat. Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels. It's basically like a heated car seat just wrapped around your body. It is wonderful. You stay warm, and it is winter now, so this is something you probably need if you're going outside or if you just kind of run cold for that person in the office who's always freezing because your office is just blasting the air conditioning even though it's 40 degrees outside. Action Heat clothing is a great fit 
for you. It's powered by a 5-volt lithium-ion battery that lasts up to 12 hours on each charge, and Action Heat batteries can be used to recharge your phone or any other gadget you have while you're wearing them. These are perfect gifts for any friend or family member on your holiday list. Anyone who works outdoors or any snowboard, skiers, or anyone that just hates being cold and loves being outdoors. Action Heat clothing provides toasty warmth and comfort for your whole body, including heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and even undergarments like heated base layer shirts and long johns. You can stay warm and cozy from head to toe with Action Heat. They've got them available in men's and women's, have great new styles available for the winter season. Just make winter more enjoyable in general with Action Heat. And listen, we've got a special deal just for the listeners of the Locked On Pelicans podcast to save 20%, 20% off your entire order. Just go to actionheat.com slash locked on to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com slash locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, or use the promo code locked on at checkout to save 20%. Stay toasty and warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. So the defense from last night, obviously they gave up 129 points, and that is not what you want to do. They gave up 77 at halftime. It was a little bit rough, and the defensive rating in that game for the Pelicans, we've got to look at defensive rating because this team does try and play fast, which kind of skews numbers to having more possessions for each team that can drive up those scoring numbers. So just looking at the pure raw data of like points scored for opponent isn't the greatest measurement of if the team is good medium adequate great bad whatever on defense but this one was kind of easy because the pace was exactly 100 so the defensive rating was 129 which if that was their season long thing is would be by far the worst in the league right and the cleveland cavaliers are sporting the worst defensive rating in the league of 113.5 pelicans come in at 26 out of 30 so they are the fifth worst defense Tied for fifth fifth worst, I guess, with the New York Knicks at 111.8. So not great. Now, they're basically two points per 100 possessions away from being right around the middle of the pack. So it's still kind of close. So I think that's important to kind of keep in mind. In last night's game against the Clippers, though, their shot chart kind of tells you a lot. The Clippers scored 62 points in the paint. They averaged 52 on the game this year. Now, look, they're also a top five offense. So them scoring a lot of points and having a lot of bench points, too, in Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams, those guys that we talked about in the preview, it's no surprise. And no one's been able to stop those guys this year. So this isn't just purely a Pelicans problem. But the Pelicans have been struggling defensively, and it kind of makes you wonder what's going on there. And a lot of this was just fully evident on display last night. They had no rim protection for an extended period of time. Guys were just getting in the lane, into the paint, scoring right at the rim or easy shots at the rim or near it with basically no one really able to contest them. You know, guys shooting five, six feet on the left low block, which you saw Danilo Gallinari do a number of times. With his height, he's going to get that off and you're not really going to be able to block it or contest it whatsoever. And the Clippers did that. They shot incredibly well on the night, 59%, almost 60%, 40% from three, though they didn't take a lot of threes. But, you know, there's no reason they should have shot that high, I guess. Or the reason is, is because no one was really contesting them or trying to play them tough and, and making their life hard. They were kind of getting to the spots they wanted to get at 
and taking those attempts. And I don't know what it was. It's it's issues defending the pick and roll, certainly, that maybe they stay too often with one of the guys or they're not sure who they should be guarding, and that leads to a quick second of a defensive lapse, and smart opponents can take advantage of it. You saw Solomon Hill kind of clamping down at the top of the three-point line instead of defending the pick and roll or rolling out to guard the guy in the corner, which led to an open corner three. That's certainly not going to get done. I'm just not sure kind of what's going on. It just seems to be confusion out there, and no one really knows what their job, what their role is. And I think that's leading to a lot of the problems defensively for the Pelicans. But there's two other things that are just, I think, kind of like large factors that loom over all of this and their struggle to play defense. And certainly that's going to be the pace. The Pelicans still kind of up there in the league. They have a pace of 104.46. That's third in the league. And when you look at some of these top teams, it's the Kings, it's the Hawks, it's the Lakers, Bucks, Wizards, 76ers, Thunder, Clippers, Heap. Those are the top 10 in pace. Some of them have some pretty bad defenses themselves. So no huge surprise. Maybe there's some sort of correlation, but a lot of them have good defensive ratings. So I think that's kind of a thing. You know, you can play with pace and you can then not give up tons and tons of points or at least make or at least you know in the grand scheme of things pace adjusted your defense looks good so I don't think it's that it might be the offensive rebounding the Pelicans are really going after offensive boards this year they're not getting back in transition to try and take away easy scoring opportunities for opponents and I think that might be one of the bigger things that we're kind of seeing so because of that you're seeing opponents score fast break points um, at a pretty high level against the Pelicans. They're 23rd in the league when it comes to that. You know, the points off turnovers have gotten better, but it's still not great. So I think that's been a bit of a problem as well. So I think it's kind of that. When you combine the pace with the offensive rebounding with the confusion out there, yeah, you're you're not going to play well. Individually, Drew Holiday shut guys down. We've seen that from Devin Booker and onward. And... Um, the rest of the team just has not been able to kind of step up with that. Julius Randle is awful in pick-and-roll defense. Decent one-on-one isolation defender, but awful in the pick-and-roll defense. Anthony Davis at times just has not looked engaged down low. We've seen that. We saw it in this game um, for, you know, a quarter or two there. He was engaged in the first quarter, and then fouls and no calls started happening, and he became unengaged. Not going to work there. And I think that's one of the big reasons the Clippers went on the run. They just got into the paint. The, uh, the, the Pelicans did nothing to make them kind of anxious or nervous or let them do things that were uncomfortable. And I think that's one of the big reasons why they had a 129 defensive rating. I'm going to dive into the stats a little bit more, try and watch some more film on this today because I want to kind of see maybe what else has been a real big issue for them or if it's just bad individual collective effort, which honestly it really might be and that says something. And Darren Ehrman, who I'm going to mention in the next segment, you got to get this figured out because you've got to do something because you are not going to win very many games with a defense playing like this. So before we talk about the Fred Hoiberg situation over there in Chicago, the Locked On Podcast Network, by the way, is doing unprecedented things on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, follow it's at LockedOnNBANet, and you get 
all of the Locked On Podcast Network local hosts covering their NBA teams in one feed. It's amazing during games when there's breaking news or if you just want to kind of get the local perspective on some of these teams. On Instagram, Locked On NBA Net is giving you the biggest stories in just one minute in your Instagram stories and then longer cuts on the biggest stories in the feeds. Make sure you follow Locked On NBA Net on both Instagram and Twitter. So big breaking news in the NBA yesterday was that the Chicago Bulls have fired head coach Fred Hoiberg after a 5-19 and start, promoting associate head coach Jim Boylan to permanent head coach, not interim head coach. And that's what I want to talk a little bit about here because I think this is kind of interesting. Hoiberg's been there for a couple of years. You'll remember the Pelicans actually interviewed him for their head coaching job kind of revolutionized college offenses a little bit with more of a space and pace, basically no mid-range at the rim, just three-pointers, kind of what a lot of teams are looking for in a head coach. Went to the Bulls that then had no three-point shooters or a bunch of guys who took mid-range jump shots and basically ran into a weird situation where just was he ever going to be successful there. Now, I don't know if he would have taken the Pelicans job no matter what or, or whatever, but someone asked me on Twitter, does this kind of justify hiring Gentry over him? No, you know, he could have been great here too. I think the situations are so different that you can't really compare the two. Again, he would have had players that could have fit his system here. Could have been great, to truly, to be honest. I think everyone was high on this guy making the jump from college to the NBA. And he seemed like an NBA, NBA guy having, you know, kind of been around the league for a very, very long time. Um, being a former player and coach at times too. So I think that's kind of a big thing. But it just didn't work out. He went to a bad situation, and now he's out of a job. So, you know, another thing that must be said with that is, you know, he jumped from college to the NBA, which works for some guys. But, man, you've got to have the right temperament, the ability to kind of talk to those players, relate to your players on a different level. It's not college. These are grown men who get paid millions of dollars. The control level is different. And I think that's something that Fred, uh, Fred Hoiberg struggled with in the NBA by all accounts and what people say. So that probably led to a little bit of his undoing himself. It might not be fair to the Bulls, even though their ownership is disastrous at times and GM is disastrous at times, to just put this all on them for him getting fired. He definitely had a hand in this as well. The interesting thing to me, though, is associate head coach Jim Boylan taking over as the permanent head coach of this team. They're not going to go through a coaching search this offseason is what it sounds like. He's just the new head coach, and that's that. This is a similar situation to what a lot of people maybe wanted last year or the year before with Alvin Gentry being fired and then Darren Ehrman taking over as permanent head coach of the team. This is a move that doesn't often work. You know, the Cavs are doing this here after they fired Tyron Lue. It's not been great, though they did get a road win and they were 0-4 to start and now they're 5-12. and uh, But I'm not sure, you know, if they weren't, if the team wasn't listening to your head coach with this guy on the roster, um, on the bench, on the staff, I don't know if they're going to listen to him now that he's the full-time head coach. And why didn't you just make that guy head coach to begin with instead of promoting him uh, when he's part of the reason the team is 5-19. and 19. So I always find this interesting. Maybe a bit of a test case to see if it would have been a good move for the Pelicans to get rid of Gentry and promote Darren Ehrman. Though, again, with the way the defense is playing this year, and say for the first, I don't know, 60 games of last year, maybe you know not the best idea to do so. And so it's just going to be kind of interesting to see how this goes because 
you know, I don't know. I don't like the move of promoting someone to be a permanent head coach. Maybe interim from the season, you give him a chance. But now that he's going to be there next year, what if it's just a disaster? And now you got to fire him and then pay someone some more money to move on and all of that. And just something that I don't think is a great fit. So it'll be interesting to see as kind of a test case how this goes with the Chicago Bulls team that has a lot of young talent on it. You know, there's a future there for sure. Is Jim Boylan really the guy to do it? I guess we will find out. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. We'll talk more about the defense tomorrow. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and we'll be back with you all tomorrow.